We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andres Hale, coming to you from Blue Wire Studios in the wind. If you guys haven't checked out our YouTube, check that out. Get the full experience now. Get to see us on set. Get to see the, the Titan Tron behind us. Everything um, running smoothly here. We love it. You guys get the full experience now. So Corner Podcast on YouTube. All of the videos going up for every show, every week. That is going to be really fun. Also, still listen to podcasts. Listen to us on your leisure, riding around, do a little bit of everything. Shout out to everyone who showed support and loved last week's episode. Honestly, didn't know how it was going to be like received. Um, Logan's incredible. Talking about old man Dre stories from back in college and then our Wait, entire discussion. It's funny because we didn't really even get into all that. There, there was so much I was like, wow, we're, we're going to miss a lot of this, which I was like, <laughs> Someone was like, we need a Logan part two. I was like, listen, whenever he's in town. Um, shout out to reverse rap pack member, Razor, Ramon. Um, Ramon gotta come out here and really tell the story. Yeah, I mean Because y'all were like running around like parties. He posted the picture from a pajama party where you decided not to wear pajamas. I didn't decide I was broke. Look, so I, you got I, basketball shorts, you wore jeans. Yeah, well, I didn't want to wear basketball. So anyway, <laughs> so Logan went to Morehouse with me. And I met him at Morehouse, kind of told the story. Like, we didn't talk to each other uh, our freshman year on the first floor because we were like, who is this big waterhead mouth? Like, that's how we were. And then we clicked. Ramon, I knew from high school out here. Uh, he went to Green Valley in Vegas. I went to Valley. And he, he had hit me when he got accepted to Clark. And I was like, oh, I got accepted to Morehouse. So he's the only person that I knew. Like when in I went, Atlanta. When yeah, when I got down there, he was the only person that I knew. So, like, Ramon has a different set of stories because he went to Clark, the twins that went to Clark, that our whole crew that you see, you guys saw the pictures of, yeah. not you listeners, you saw the others. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we went to like pajama parties. We went to, uh, Ramon has stories like, there's a record store called Audrey's that we used to get all our music from like three days before it came out. So we had like In My Lifetime, Stankonia, not Stankonia, uh, Quim and I, like all those albums we would have three days before they dropped. So he has the stories about us partying, being super broke, 
Like, I don't know how we were managed to go to all these clubs and be so broke. I can tell you were broke. You were the skinniest man on earth in that photo. Yeah, man. I was, I was manorexic. Boy, I could see through you. Yeah, I was manorexic. I had the side profile, so you yeah. couldn't really see how <laughs> really skinny see. I was. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, then, and then the boy, like, Shawnee and Zuri, the twins, and Ramon, and uh, Ravon, they used to always go to the gym, right? Because they, they had a little bit of bread. I, no, I couldn't afford to go to it was, the gym. It was called Run and Shoot in, in Atlanta. So you play ball and you go work out. Yeah. I couldn't go. So when it was like pajama, we knew the pajama party was coming. They in the gym every day, pumping iron. <laughs> Me, I'm skinny, trying to eat malnutrition top ramen. You ain't going to get any bigger off of top ramen. Yeah. So we had a lot of struggles, man. But Ramon's got a, just a whole different set of stories. Like trying to pick up on Foxy Brown after a concert. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Foxy Brown concert. And Foxy walked out and we were just like, let's holla at her. Uh, we just <laughs> were really, did really dumb stuff. But they both have two perspectives of me. Uh, in college. So Logan, fortunately or unfortunately, didn't really get knee deep into it. There was a few stories. Uh, Ramon has a whole different set of stories. <laughs> he's in, he's in uh, Texas. So yeah. it'll happen. Um, no, nah, but that was, I'm glad everyone liked it. We've had a couple of suggestions to do more shows like that. So I guess we will. Um, I decided to name it differently. So you guys will know when those shows come up once in a blue moon. But it'll start off with talking on a corner instead of wrestling on a corner or fighting on a corner. Um, so you can tell, like, okay, like, dope. This isn't going to have combat sports. They're just going to go off and talk and have a really good conversation, which that was. So, man, I'm excited and glad everyone liked that. Um, I thought it was really well done. So, again, shout out to Logan. Shout out to everyone here. Shout out to producer Cole Bebe for letting me just blow through the sign every time when he's just like, Yo, we got to out. I'm like, nah, we're going to keep going. So, I mean, at, at this point, Cole either really likes me or hates me. Because he's always <laughs> giving me, like, a timed out. And I'm just, like, giving him the cut signal. And I know he's just in there. Oh, my God. During the corner rumble, and he's like, next guest is on. I'm just like, no, two more minutes. Him and Antoine just grilling me from the other side of the glass. <laughs> so, it, that, was, that was a funny experience. Yeah, they probably both hate me. But it makes for great, great podcasting. Um, on today's show, lo and behold, it was a topic we were supposed to touch on last week or in last episode. But glad we saved it for today because you had quite an interesting Monday on social media. Did I? You did. What, what happened? I don't remember. You put out a tweet about the Joe Rogan situation. Oh, yeah. Okay. Had your mentions yeah. a little all over the place. Yeah, it was, that was a, yeah, it was a weird day because I tweeted about two things that day. I tweeted about Joe Rogan's podcast. Yep, and I tweeted about Big E. Yeah, in that situation because the story came out that backstage was unhappy, and people were like that's not true. And I was like, okay, just full disclosure. When I tweet something, trust me, I know something. I'm not speculating. Yeah, there's something that I know, and it may not be even be through. I mean, obviously, if you guys know that I'm friends with Big E, you think that I get a lot of my stuff through Big E. No, trust me. I have people, when that story came out, I was like, all right, it's out. Because it was true. But that was one thing. But the whole Joe Rogan thing, yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was perturbed by it. And I, I'm going to ask you a question in a second. But yeah. the tweet, the thing that frustrated me more about the Joe Rogan situation wasn't the N-word usage in all the shows. It was, I mean, it was, but it was the comparing black people to apes. Yeah. Planet of the Apes comment. And that's what I was like. That's offensive. And there's really no wiggle room for that. There was no context. 
because we heard the quote in context. Yeah. And we heard how he discussed it. And I was like, yeah, that's wrong. Flat out wrong. You can try to contextually say the N-word was taken out of context. He was trying to use it for this, even though I don't think you need to use it on 110 shows. But, he, you know, that's neither here nor there. But the what Planet of the Apes thing, I was just like, yo, that's that's not cool. Now, there were people that were like, well, Joe's not racist. And I was like, all right, cool. You know Joe. Joe's not racist. And I, I, I made it very clear. My grandmother, old Italian, full-blood Italian white woman, she loved me. She didn't want me to date black women. She didn't necessarily like black people. Now, I can say she was a racist to me. But that perspective has a hint of racism in it. Yeah. She told me, you're not going to date big-nosed black women. You shouldn't. They have loud mouths. That's what my grandmother told me, right? And it's crazy, but I loved her. She loved me. But I'm, I'm not going to be a fool and say, oh, no, she's not racist at all. I knew that she didn't like my friends. She just had to get used to it, right? Yeah. She didn't like my, they didn't want me to go to HBCU. They just had to deal with it. So when I said that, I was like, stop defending Joe Rogan like you, like, just because he wasn't racist to you in your face doesn't mean he didn't say something that was racist. Does that mean he hates black people? No, not necessarily, but it means he has a perspective of black people. And whether you thought it was funny or not, it just wasn't cool. That's the key. Like, a lot is hidden behind this, um, this veil of comedy, right? Because he is a comedian. So they're just like, yo, that was just a joke. Yeah, nothing I'm like... He's not on stage, right? Yeah. Like, he, he's not doing an act, which, I mean, I've, I've listen, we all seen comedy shows yeah. that say wild shit. Okay, like, that's part of a set. If there was, like, a monkey joke or whatever, I, I watched Lisa Lampanelli stand-up specials. Like, I, I get comedy for the sake of comedy, right? When you're on stage. This podcast isn't a comedy yet. No, not at all. This is sitting with your friends and guests talking openly and often forgetting that you are necessarily not being recorded, but that you're in a corporate environment. Because especially back then, he didn't know anything about like, yo, I'm going to be on Spotify. No. He didn't know like, I'm going to be a corporate machine and the biggest podcaster on earth. Well, I'm sitting down talking to my friends every week, like about aliens and like weed and all this stuff and bringing in guests to talk about that. Are also saying wildly problematic shit. Yeah, it, it's in a public sphere, right? Like yeah. that you're saying it in a public sphere where you're left to be scrutinized. Now, here's a question I want to ask you before I give my take on this. What do you think should happen to Joe Rogan? I don't... Listen, man, I don't watch anyway. So, like, what? what is it for me? Um, I think... I don't think his apology was like the greatest, but I can't tell people how to apologize either. Right. But I, I would assume like sincere apology. I, I think Spotify has to come out and be like, yo, this isn't what we align with. And this is not, this is no longer what the show is. Um, I don't think he's going to lose his show. I don't think he should per se, if he has an audience and a voice. I mean, people follow worse, worse shows than Joe wrote. I'll tell you that much. And worse people. Um, I don't know him, but I'm sure there's worse people out there, right? Like, and people follow them constantly in the shit they say. So I, I get it. I just, I don't want to see anything like that on the show from here on out. How about that? Show me with your actions that you understand 
that you're showing 2012 is a lot different than you're showing 2022. Because a lot of us said dumb shit in 2012. Like, you know, 2012. And we weren't on the mic. I get it. They scrubbed it. You apologize. We can't have another mix-up. That ain't funny. You can't do that anymore. And that's what I hope happens to Joe Rogan. If you lose, if you lose followers and listeners because they tune in for that, and that's why they, so be it. Your show can't be that anymore. They're going to be like, oh, my God, you're censored. Cancel. Co-. Who cares? You can't do that anymore. Talk about some other shit. Alien, aliens aren't going to kill you for bad-mouthing them. Talk about aliens. That is actually the correct answer that I was looking for. There have been a lot of people who's like, well, what do you want to happen? The first question that happened a lot on social media was like, why now? Why are you addressing this now? And I was like, why? Because I hadn't seen this <laughs> until now. And now that I've seen it, I'm going to address it. And I'm going to say it's wrong. Now, do I want Joe's show to be canceled? No, here's why. If you want to radicalize a base of people to really upset them, cancel Joe Rogan's podcast. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. Because there is a freedom of speech, and I have the freedom to not like what Joe has to say. And with my freedom, I can say I'm not listening, or you can let other people know, like, this is what this show is about. Do not listen to this show. Yep. The power lies into the listener. Canceling the podcast is not the answer. No. You know, it happened years ago. It flew under the radar for a lot of people. It's been brought to light. Joe needs to face the music. At worst, at the very worst, he could be suspended for like a couple of weeks or something like that. At the absolute worst. But aside from that, it is a learning lesson for Joe Rogan. Whether he still believes it or not, it's not up to me anymore. Yeah. It's the fact that it's been brought to light. You address this, you deal with the blowback, and then you move forward and don't do it again. Now, if you do do it again, now, now we, we have, have discussions. Discussion. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, he talks about, like, eugenics. Like, people were sending me clips I had never seen because I don't watch the show. I see clips on social media, and I was like, I don't particularly care for what he has to say, right? Like, the whole COVID thing, I was like, I just disagree with all that misinformation. Then it was, like, the eugenics thing where, like, black people have different brains that have predetermined the violence. And I was like, whoa, wait, slow down. <laughs> like, slow down. You've gone too far, right? And I was like, this is all wrong, but let's like, make sure that these things don't happen again. That's it. I don't want to see Joe Rogan get... Canceled. That's all that would do is upset a base of listeners, which he has a lot of. Oh, yeah. And radicalize them in a similar fashion that if you impeach Trump, for instance, and you radicalize that, like, you don't need to do that. Don't upset them. Let they list. It's not like Joe's going to change his tune and his listeners aren't going to change their tune either. If no. you want to change perspectives, you can't silence somebody. You just have to address it. That's it. But I was, I was just so blown up because people were like, you want, it's a political hit. And I was like, what's, what's so political about this? I was like, he was wrong and it was racist. Ain't nothing political about yeah, it. Yeah, and, and there's no reason for him to say the N-word that many times. There's just, there's no, none. Like, not at, at, all. at a certain point, you just got to go, <laughs> hey man, like, no. And that's why I have refrained from using that word in public. Like, I used to use it all the time as a teenager. I was growing up. And then one day I was just like, I'm just going to stop using it. And why? Because if I stop using it, then you won't feel comfortable using it. Yeah. That's it. Like, and so if you use it in the presence of me, now we got a problem because I don't use it. I'm not giving you a license to use that word. And for Joe, you know, to use it in kind just say the N- why, why can't you just say the N-word? Why is that so difficult? Yeah, I don't know. It's like, you have to say it? You went full Harry Potter where he has to say the word Voldemort. Say he who must not be named. <laughs> like, I, it's like I, I, I don't know. Like, it, it gives the same purpose, like, overall. Again, you have to... You have to be smarter than that. Even if, for any reason, 
we just like using the word, right? Like, if you and your group of comedian friends thinks that shit's funny. I can see Dave Chappelle, like, laughing. Like, of course. Yeah, like, I, I get it. Like, it could be funny between you. The biggest thing there is, like, you're a grown-ass man. You've been a grown man for a long time. You're a grown man when you started this podcast. You should have some common sense. Right. To just be like, maybe I shouldn't say this in a public platform. Because there's a lot of stuff, like, racial slurs aside. Like, I don't say racial slurs anywhere, necessarily. But racial slurs aside, there's a lot of stuff I know I can and cannot say on this microphone. Right. I know in some platforms, even though we can curse on our show, I know if I have a radio hit for ESPN radio or something else that I'm talking, I cannot curse. And I change right. what I can and cannot say. It's cool. I'm smart enough. Like, I know how to do this. I know when I can curse, when I cannot curse. I know when I'm playing video games at home and I'm playing MLB The Show and I give up a three-run home one in the bottom of the eighth after I pitch like a no-hitter through the first eight innings, y'all going to hear some language that's very colorful. So it's one of those things like I know when and where I can act how I want to act. And he seemed to have none of that. Like it was just, man, you're on air. This, this isn't acceptable on air if you want to do this with your friends. And, uh, and yeah, people have been finding clips throughout his show, like not even just N-word. He's been saying, like, crazy slurs for, like, Asians and Jewish people and Italians. And he just, I, he thinks it's funny, I'm assuming. Like, his audience must like it. I, I don't, I don't listen to the show. I don't, I don't know if that's, like, part of the gimmick. It's part of the shtick. I, I, I don't know. It's not for me. But, again... The best thing he can do is not get canceled. The show not go away. The best thing he can do is change. That's it. And show he's changed. And maybe his audience is like, because they follow everything. Shout out to Aaron Rodgers. Um, follow everything he says. Maybe they're like, you know what? Joe stopped using that. Yeah, learning lesson. Maybe right? I should stop using that too. Teachable maybe, moment. Yeah, because he can teach his entire following by someone in this moment teaching him. It's that simple. Easy. It's that simple. So the other thing I just want to briefly touch on, I don't think, I'm not sure if you watch it yet, but uh, uh, it, the Bill Cosby documentary on Showtime. Yo, I found out my grandma cut off the Showtime. <laughs> it uh, hurt my heart. So I got to, I got to find this. It's by other methods of the internet, but I will. Yeah, watch we it. won't talk about here. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's, you know, we have to figure out how to talk about Bill Cosby and it's a spectacular documentary by W. Kamu Bell. And, it, the way it's laid out is not as a hit piece, right? It is uh, trying to contextualize who Bill Cosby was, what he meant to this community, to this culture, and then the heinous acts that he allegedly did, right? And what he went to jail for. Now, there's a funny part about it because my wife watches it through an attorney's eyes. And I'm watching it through my eyes. And it's like, you know, some people are like, well, do we just cancel the Bill Cosby show? And I was like, no. It exists. This is a point we have to sit separate the art from the artist. Now, it's going to be hard for a lot of people to watch the Bill Cosby show. Yeah. It's going to be really difficult to look at Cliff Huxtable. I've seen there's a, like, they have clips, like, where he said some problematic shit, like, yeah. on the show. Yeah, he talked about, like, time. his barbecue sauce being a special sauce, and everybody gets all lovey-dovey when they take his barbecue sauce. Um, it was weird because they talked about him being a gynecologist, and his office was in his basement. And now when you, like, parallel that <laughs> to the, the accusations, you go, oh, my God, like, 
What is, is this y'all coincidence? No, because Bill Cosby had complete autonomy over the show. I just saw Antoine's face, and Antoine was like, what? Yeah, so it's like, because... Who gets away with these Somebody things? asked Jamel Hill, they was like, well, what did he do? And Jamel was like, a pediatrician? And then Camus Bell was like, no, he was a gynecologist. And you know where his office was? In his basement. And she was like, oh! And it's, yeah, it's, it's wild. So it's hard to watch it through that lens now. But you can't deny the impact that it had on the culture. Now, the tricky part about it is you had all these allegations and all these things that happened later. And, you know, he went to jail and he got out on a technicality. And I've listened to a lot of people say, well, he was innocent. That's why he got out. No, that's not why he got out. He got out because when he was questioned, when he, when, when he was deposed in 2005, the, during the deposition, he was granted immunity. If he said, what he, you know, he said these things about, you know, drug and women and no consent, but he was granted immunity. And then another DA came in and was like, forget all that. You don't get immunity. You can't do that. <laughs> so they used what Bill Cosby used in that deposition in that trial. And they, that was what they used to lock him up for three years. That is wrong. You cannot do that. Does that mean Bill Cosby was innocent? No. It was just like Mark Furman, you know, planting evidence in the OJ case. You can't do that. Doesn't mean OJ's innocent. No, but you can't plant evidence. It's like planting drugs on us when you pull us over. You, we need to be let, like, it has to be across the board. So when I saw it, I was watching people was like, Bill Cosby is innocent. I was like, that's not what that means. Right. And then there was people saying, well, we, you know, cancel the Cosby show. And I was like, I don't think that's the answer either. It's, it, the answer is not to cancel that. Look, he went to jail for three years. Wrongfully went to jail based on evidence that shouldn't have been admissible in court. But he's too old to learn, right? The difference between him and Joe Rogan is Bill Cosby did this for like 50 years. Like when you watch this documentary, this man was, they said he had like a pit of models at the Cosby show tapings. And he would, they would bring him into his, his dressing room and he would mentor them with alcohol and quaaludes. This man was a savage. He was a monster. He was a predator. And it's like, I didn't know Quaaludes were a thing before Wolf of Wall Street, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Like, I guess this is this is why they no longer exist. Yes. Because Cosby, like, bought all of them. I mean, but, you know, the other thing is, like, well, Bill had to learn from somebody. I don't think this was oh. just his. There had to be somebody. Like, Hollywood's been doing this for a yeah. long time. Bill just had Bill to be. from Philly. Yeah. Yeah, they don't do that in Philly. It's like, like it's just not a thing. You walk down the block and. Quaaludes are present in Philadelphia. I, I just I just suggest for everybody watch this documentary because it, is, it, it, it straddles that line because how do we talk about Cosby? And it, it's how do you talk about Rogan? Because if you're a fan of Joe Rogan, if you listen to Joe Rogan's podcast, like my brother-in-law liked Joe Rogan's podcast. And I was like, relax, because you need to watch some of these episodes. And I don't know if he's gone back and watched them since, but it's like, well, how do we have this conversation about Joe Rogan? Like, who is Joe Rogan? The UFC is like, what are y'all going to do about Joe Rogan? He's about to be on commentary for UFC 271. Yeah. In the midst of all of this, you issue a statement. Some people are like, well, pull him from the broadcast. Eh, I don't think that's necessary. I think if you're the UFC, you say that we don't share those views. But the problem is they probably do. <laughs> like, <laughs> the problem is, is that Dana White was probably like, I love what Joe Rogan said. I mean, Dana White's stance is very clear and he's very open about it. Like, he's freedom of speech of all kinds. So he's not going to hinder some, regardless of what the speech is. People consider hate speech. It, to him, it's all a matter of opinion. He said this publicly. Yeah, for now, until the wrong person that's, you know, our complexion says something. We'll see how that works out. Yeah, I mean, it's just, 
for anything to change. And to be fair, I guess he lets people say whatever they want. Like, he let Tyron Woodley say whatever the hell he wanted. Like, you could argue if he pushes them, like, afterwards, right? Like, <laughs> whole other story. if he then promotes those people the same as he promotes other people who say different things. But he lets people say whatever they want. So, I mean, his stance is pretty clear. I'm not going to knock him either. But I never expected him to do anything. No. Like, it's, one, it's not on his air. So that gives him, like, a level of, like, detachment from the situation. Like, yo, Joe said that over there. Right. Joe never says anything crazy here. So he, he has that. And I, I don't know what the UFC can do. I'm just always interested, like, watching the UFC. Like, uh, me working at ESPN aside and all that good stuff. Like, I'm just interested in, like, the upper workings of it now that it's not, like, a private company. Because, like, people above them, like, Dana's great, but Dana's now just an employee. Yes. Like, I don't hear from people, but, like, it's, it's a different thing. Like, people are like, what is Dana going to do? Like, I don't know if this is dana's level anymore to be honest like it's, it's tricky there's people above dana now like what what are they gonna dana's just the face of this now well i mean not only is he the face i mean ufc still handles their production right no yeah hands down they have their the matchmaker still in place Dana's yeah. still the president like i mean but the the, the the broadcast nothing is altered with espn's influence no. espn is basically just taking the rights of the ufc and putting it out there to the world but that leads me to our next question because it's like well if the ufc's not gonna do anything because you know we're in the midst of Black History Month as this is happening. And the UFC just announced, we have some Black History initiatives. Like, all right, cool. I wonder what, if there's ESPN, I wonder what they think. Like, it, it goes up the ladder because you are a representative of where you're at, right? So I wonder where, if, if Rogan was concerned about how ESPN would deal with it. I wonder, like, or does it just go away? Yeah, I feel like as long as you don't, like, double and triple down and apologize... You're fairly okay. Like, you got to really, like, Gina Carano the situation. Yeah, like, you got to yeah, like double gotta and triple, triple down. down. When they're like, yo, chill. It's like, no. No, like, to really lose the bag. I, I got more to say. Like, that, that was my whole situation with Joe, because pe there's people still in my mentions today. It was like, well, what do you want Joe Rogan to do? And I was like, you know, I'm like, he did it. Do I, do I think it was a great apology? No. But I, that's it. That he addressed it. Yep. Whereas I've seen other people... Going back to Bill Cosby, he's like, I never did anything. Well, that opens Pandora's box because evidence, 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 more people coming forward, more. That's why this thing drags out for so long. Yep. If you addressed this earlier and said, yeah, I did it. I messed up. I know better now. Maybe Bill Cosby can move on. Still, <laughs> you're raping people. Yeah, so it's like, like, I think he really goes to jail at that point. It's like, he yeah, in a, yeah he it's in a tough. Legally, you yeah. know, your, your attorney's like, well, don't say anything. But in Joe's case, I think he did what he had to do. He apologized. I don't have to necessarily accept it. I'm not listening to the show anyway. Yeah. So it's it's what's like, done is done. Like you say all the time, can you cancel something you didn't watch? Yeah, I don't care. Like if, I, if I was an avid watcher and listener of Joe Rogan's podcast, yes, I'd be handling this different. But the first thing I say is like, I'm I'm divesting. Yeah. Maybe I'm, I wouldn't. I'd stop watching. That's it. I divest from what he's done until he changes his tune. That's it. That's it. But... I, 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 it's funny when I watch people's like, he needs to be canceled. I'm, I'm just, you know how I feel about that stuff. I'm just like, I don't believe in the concept of cancel culture because nothing really gets canceled. No, his I, hardcore fans are not going to cancel. No, him. just what hold people accountable. That's it. You yeah. do something wrong, hold them accountable, make sure they apologize. If they don't apologize, add, apply pressure. Right? I, I also it. don't think all black people in the room have to answer for Joe Rogan, personally. Well, you know how that goes. So, like, I'm not 
necessarily sure Jamel Hill had to go on her own podcast and explain why she's still with Spotify but that's and the hard what part. she thinks about Joe Rogan. Like, I don't... It, it's like, weird. you don't know Joe Rogan, Jamel Hill. Like, you don't got to say anything if you don't want to say anything. It, but the, there's pressure when you're the only black person in the room to address the racist situation. It's like, nobody's asking Nas. Like, I've been listening to the Bridge podcast with him and, and Miss Info <laughs> with Minya. And like, nobody's asking Nas to take his show off of Spotify. It's a Spotify exclusive. But yeah. because of what Jamel stands for, they say, well... People are going to say, you have, if you don't say anything, you're complicit. And it gets complicated because it's trial by social media, which isn't a real trial. It's a bunch of morons with no legal background that are going to say, you're wrong, you're this, you're that. She said what she said. I'm fine with it. I don't care. She didn't have to, but she did. So let's move on. So hopefully people move on from this. I'm not hanging on to this too long. But if Joe comes out and says something else, I guess my bigger issue, my biggest issue, is the people that support Joe Rogan after Joe Rogan's apologized are fighting harder than Joe Rogan is. Oh, it's like my, my dislike for the Beehive and Beyonce. Like, I, you know what? Beyonce's great. I like her music a little less because I really dislike her fan base. <laughs> like, they're just annoying. That's Joe Rogan's fan base. They're crazy. Outside of him, they're just, they're the true definition of fanatics. Yes. And they go further than even the person that they are fanning over. And they're just a whole different level. And there's certain fan bases. Red Sox fans, I hate Cowboys fans. Yankees fans. No, Yankees fans are great. We're grounded. No, y'all. Laker, uh, Laker fans, Yankees fans, Cowboys fans. Some would argue those are the same people. They, yeah. <laughs> Once like American team people, it's like <laughs> no, the worst. Uh, anyway. Definitely Cowboys fans are the worst. But Beyonce fans are up there. There's like certain crews of fans where I'm just like, yo, they're just annoying. Joe Budden podcast fans like got there for a quick second <laughs> for me. Um, yeah, they're just, it's it's an annoying thing. That's why I'm so glad we have the Corner Club. All you guys are cool. Yeah, cool people out there. Yes, yes, we have a good fan base. Um, let's hit our break because we got to come back. We got to talk combat sports. Um, we're going to real quick go through the boxing that we didn't get to on Sunday. Sorry. And then talk about UFC 271 Israel Adesanya and we have a guest as well. Derek Brunson knows a thing or two about fighting the style bender and maybe in line to fight him again. So it's going to be a great conversation. You guys don't go anywhere. Be right back after this. All right, everybody, we are back. Producer Cole, baby, in the booth. Late entrance to today's show. Listen, he's a busy man. Came in like Brock Lesnar. That's it. Look at this. He's he's so busy. He's like, ah, I don't got to be there for their show anymore. He's big time in us now. Yep. Now, I saw him yesterday. He's, he's posting video. They're doing cool games here. There's a magic trick at the desk or something. He's putting together stuff for everyone. So, yeah, it's all right. Antoine is going to start making beats. He's going to leave us. The music world. Cole is already big timing us. It's all right though. Remember, remember the little guys when when you're moving up the ladder. Um, nah, so it's time to talk boxing. <laughs> we time to talk boxing. We didn't get to it on Sunday. Dre, let's start off with Clarissa Shields. Well, first, happy birthday, Corey Erdman. First rap pack. Yes. 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 Um my group chat is down. I can't message anybody right now. <laughs> anyway. It is his birthday. He's he's so wise for a man of my age. You know, he's a man of no hot takes. 
a man of a million hot takes. We're exactly the same age. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy what he's done like this little bit of time. I thought Corey's been around forever. He's just been around since he was like 22. Yes. So uh, shout out to Corey. Happy birthday to you. Say that. Say this. He had a great article on Clarissa Shields after her win last weekend on Saturday in the UK. First fight in her deal with Boxer, which I'm happy about because Boxer has a deal with ESPN+. Plus. So now I get to watch all these fights and go to some of these fights and go to the UK. I've still never been. So it gives me a reason to go over there a lot. So if you guys have tips and where to go or where to drink and uh, I guess have a pint, that's what they do over there. Oh, yeah. You guys let me know. I am always down for travel tips. And now I get to go to the UK soon. Actually, I'll be there for Fury, Dillian White. So you guys let me know where to go in London. But with Clarissa, she goes over there, handles business, doesn't drop around. Are we at the point? Because this wasn't her toughest opponent. Right? Not at all. This is just like whatever. Clear out a mandatory because you still have all the other three belts which you've never stripped off, which is crazy. So like, clear out a mandatory. Get ready for Savannah Marshall who we'll talk about here in a second. But she didn't get this opponent out of there. Are we to the point where we got to really start asking ourselves like, does Clarissa not have power? No. I mean... Two-minute rounds, 10 rounds. It's a lot. Serrano gets people out of there. Depending on who they are, right? Miriam Gutierrez, she didn't get out of there. No. Miriam Gutierrez got beat up. Yeah. Now, if you had another minute to those rounds, referee might stop it. Clarissa had Emma Cozy in trouble a lot in that fight. Yeah. If you had another minute, she's just not one of those fast starters. She doesn't have one-punch knockout power. To make her a bad... Floyd didn't either. Yeah. So, it's like... All this criticism that's been thrown at Clarissa Shields is almost mind-blowing to me. She's two-time Olympic gold medalist, two-division undisputed champion, two-division undisputed champion, two-time Olympic gold medalist. And y'all not going to tell me she's the quote? People are going to say, well, Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano. No. And Amanda has seven divisions. Sure. So that's, that's impressive. Very impressive. But what Clarissa is doing, because we're not just talking about her brief career where she's undisputed in two divisions in 12 fights. We're not just talking about that. We're talking about her being a two-time Olympic gold medalist. Yeah. She, she's only lost one fight in her life. Not even her pro career because she never lost. She lost to Savannah Marshall when she was 17 years old. Yeah. A loss that Savannah Marshall is hanging on to a decade later when Savannah hasn't beaten any, hardly anybody with a winning record. Technically, Clarissa has now lost two fights. One was in MMA. Well, I'm not... Counted that. I'm yeah. not counting. I mean, and, and then on top of that, she takes the Emma Cozen fight with six weeks of training and goes and does what she did. Yeah. And now she's like, well, Savannah's like, I'm going to beat you. If you have that performance, I'm going to beat you. I think people forget there's levels to this. And Clarissa's just another level above everyone else right now. She hasn't been challenged in a fight. No, I mean, what she did to Hammer, and Hammer's a really good fighter. Right. It just made her look like she was a novice. Dude, she beat Franchon Desern Cruz, who was about to fight for an undisputed t- title, who she manhandled in that fight. I was there. It was the undercard of Ward and Kovalev. Her second fight. Right. And beat her handily. Yeah. And Desern Cruz is now fighting for the undisputed title on the undercard of Taylor Serrano. Y'all gonna tell me that Clarissa Shields is not that good? What's wrong with you? Yeah, her opponents' records and resumes are... They're undefeated. Top they, notch. They come in here undefeated, one loss... Undisputed, like title holders, 
It's not like she's fighting bums. No. Hannah Rankin, uh, uh, Christina Hamer. Like, you go down this list, they can't see her. She's in the spot now where it's like all, yes, Serrano, Taylor, uh, McCaskill would have to, they'd all have to move up to find Clarissa. Well, a lot Clarissa of weight. says she'll move to 47. So I don't know. Whoever wants to know. <laughs> if Clarissa makes 47, I mean, go I, for I it. I talked to her, yeah, two weeks ago. Said she can make 47. I, he's, and then, um, well, I mean, she says like a lot of athletes. Uh, she's never had a nutritionist. Right. She's never done anything that. Um, due to this boxer deal and it being on like ESPN Plus and stuff, she's now with perfecting athletes mm-hmm. who handle all the top rank um, fighters and weight cuts and nutrition. And they are amazing. So she wanted to make 147. They can get her to 147. I didn't ask her, like, yo, would you cut to 145 for MMA in the UFC? And she was like, yeah, I don't know about 145. <laughs> so I guess two pounds makes a lot of a difference. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, she's very concerned about losing her butt, I guess. She was like, nah, like, I can't, can't get rid of this. I'll be a stick figure. I was like, all right, like, I get it. Um, but, yeah, so she's, she's willing to go down. I just don't know who's willing at 147 to take that challenge. McCaskill. McCaskill's way too small. Though. I mean, she'd be the one that would be like, because McCaskill fight everybody. That's yeah. the way that Justin McCaskill is. But, yeah, I mean, that's the problem. She's running out of opponents. Cecilia would have been the perfect opponent. Yeah, she would have dogged Cecilia, too. I mean, Cecilia now, like, she briefly retired. I think she's training again. That'd be a big money fight for her, like, if yeah. she moved up to 154 even to challenge. It was funny because, you know, McCaskill would be the one. Like, I beat her twice. Yeah. There's, there's fights to be made, but I'm just tired of people criticizing Clarissa Shields. And saying that she's not good, she's not the well, who's better? Who's got the resume that Clarissa has all people say Katie Taylor and they say Katie would have had countless Olympic victories if the Olympics allowed women's boxing then. Let's stop. Katie Taylor had a hard time with Delphine Pursuit. Twice. Twice. Yeah. Clarissa Shields has had a hard time with nobody. That's the Terrence Crawford argument. Yeah, it it is. She also has the resume. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, but she she has all the belts in two divisions. Like I need to see how Serrano and Taylor plays out. I do. I, I think that is an intriguing fight. I think, but Katie Taylor doesn't get people out of there either. No. She's... Serrano is like the only one. Yeah, Serrano's really like the only one and Sinicia Estrada, who's got some power as well. But for the most part, like, this, women don't well, have Savannah time. Marshall. She fights bums. Like, if you look at Savannah's she record... She gets them out of there. They're bums. <laughs> they're bums with, like, losing records. It's just, the fact remains that I keep saying this. Floyd didn't knock everybody out. Once he moved up in weight, he dominated. Did that make him not the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world? No. So we got to relax. Stop. Knockouts are not what makes the best fighters in the world. Tyson Fury was not a knockout artist. The reason why he's so great is because he's a phenomenal boxer with tremendous footwork. But he can knock you out, too, which he showed Deontay Wilder. Twice. Yeah. But before that, nobody ever considered Tyson Fury a knockout artist. He beat Klitschko by... He made it ugly with him. Very boy. You know, the Otto Valine fight, he, it was an ugly fight that he made. It was a tough fight, but he knows how to win by boxing. Yep. Deontay doesn't know how to do that. A lot of fighters don't know how to do that. Leave Chris alone. Stop it. Yeah, no, I, again, no bad words for me. She's incredible in there. And she's one of the people who can do whatever she wants, whatever style, whatever. Like, she can take the fight wherever she wants. So I'm interested to see her versus Savannah. Because again, Savannah's going to come in with a lot of ammo. Savannah fights on March 12th. She has to take care of her uh, mandatory. Then it's on. In June, like, I hope they run it back twice. Why not? Let's push the piece of hell out of them. That's also. (laughs) And then I don't know what. 
I don't know what Clarissa does after that. Um, maybe fights Zern Cruz again. Maybe if she's undisputed, because that make her undisputed in three weight classes. It's absurd. She's just yeah, too good. Yeah, she, she cut weight before she can get that belt yeah. and become undisputed. So yeah, if she just moves up again, there's one fight to become undisputed, and then undisputed in three weight classes. Like just throw the rule. That's it. Yeah, Kenny Anderson. It's over. She is the greatest women's boxer of all time. Arguably the greatest boxer of all time. You can remove the the W in quote. It's crazy because that's insane. Um, also we had real quick, Chris Eubanks, Liam Williams, Eubank, see, I saw myself, Chris Eubank versus Liam Williams. How good is Chris Eubank? He's an opponent, right? Liam Williams is not that good. People always feel bigger in the UK. Yeah, no, he's got a strong following, but he's still an opponent. Like you, he's very crude skill wise. Liam Williams is not like Liam Williams is great. He got dominated by Demetrius Andre. Yeah. So Chris Eubank knocks him down a few times. He's got a little bit of pop. When how I expected it to go. You see, he's trained by your boy Roy now, and he's trying to. Yeah. He put a lot of the Roy moves in Man, there. Man, okay. You see that? I said, <laughs> I said this on Sean's, Sean Porter's podcast the other day. It is funny when people get trained by certain fighters to try to adopt their skills, but forget they don't have the talent to go along with it. <laughs> so, like, Andre Berto tried to do the shoulder roll and got lit up by Robert Guerrero. Adrian Broner tried it. Like, Floyd could do that because he had the reflexes. You have to have a certain innate ability to do those things. I'm watching you bang, and I'm like, you ain't got what Roy got. You're going to mess around and get beat up yeah. doing that stuff. Like, you can do that to Liam Williams because he's kind of whack. But you move up in competition, like you fight a Charlo, or they're, they're going to get Saunders you out of there. Wants to fight him. Billy Joe Saunders said he'll cut, fight him again. But he'll beat him. Billy Joe Saunders will beat up Eubank. Yeah, yeah. Again. So it's like, I don't know. Eubank, he's, he's okay. I like his pops. Pops is the greatest yeah. boxing poet I've ever heard in my life. It's, <laughs> it's like smooth jazz when, he, when he's talking about anything. But I, I just, he's not that good. Big fight in the UK. Who cares? He's, he's an opponent. I don't see him being a world champion. No. All right. And then we have next night, Thurman versus Barrios was the pay-per-view. Or later that day, I guess. Yeah. So at night, Thurman versus Barrios, pay-per-view. Leo Santa Cruz coming back. Uh, wait, I won 28.6 for... His fight at junior lightweight. So, how far off from 126 again? I thought he looked good. Yeah, he looked like Leo Santa Cruz. Yeah, like, yeah. He can fight that style. I was telling someone um, ringside, I was just like, yo, he can fight that style at these lower weights and be fine. But he doesn't know how to adapt that style. So, even at 130, he gets a firefight. Ooh, he gets hit a little bit yeah. too much at 130. At 135, he tried that against Tank, got sent to the gods. But at 126, it's a style that's pretty safe because no one's going to hit him like that. No. no, He's a busy fight. Like, what I wanted to see was, all right, you got killed by Tank and you got brought back to life. Now you're back and you're fighting again in a weight class that you should be in. And I just wanted to see him throw punches. That's all I really wanted to see. Like, people like, he didn't get him out of there. I, that, I didn't expect that. Keenan Carbajal was a guy, his only offense was like three headbutts in the fight. Yep. Other than that, he was just, get, he was just there to get hit. But all, what I wanted to see is, like, can Leo still overwhelm you with output? And he can. So at 26, that's what he, he'll do. And got, there aren't too many people, unless Inouye decided to move all the way up, was like, I'm going to kill you now. Then it's like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. But, I mean, Fulton. I Fulton's not a big p- power puncher either. No, he's a, he's a bunch of... Yeah. Leo can deal with that. Like, when he fought Carl Frampton, he fought Abdemarez. Like, those aren't big, Navarrete huge punches. is a... Good puncher for that division because he's big and I'm long, just saying, but I think he might be up to 130. Tank was just another level of power. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So Leo, Leo doesn't have to worry about that guy. 
<laughs> like, as long as that guy's not there, Leo's going to be in some fights. I think he's clearly on the backside of his career. But I think he, he still has, you know, he can still win titles. I think he's still being great fights. He still can be an exciting fighter. He's another guy who doesn't knock people out. He just kind of overwhelms you with volume. So it's going to take a guy like a Fulton to punch between those punches, make him pay. Yeah. Paul Frampton did that when they fought. It's tough, but he's, he's still fun to watch. I still, like, I just wish his opponent just had some offense instead of head <laughs> punch. That's it. Yeah, it was very one-sided. And then, um, man, and then main event, Keith Thurman, Mario Barrios. I was surprised by Keith Thurman. Pleasantly surprised. Looked good. Looked very good for, what, two and a half years out or something yeah. out of the— 931 days. Insane. Almost three years. Yeah. Out of the ring. Uh, he wasn't timid. No. Started fast, which isn't a trademark necessarily of Keith Thurman. Um, usually he shows well in the first round, kind of coast. And then wins it again in the back half of the fight. Right. No, he was on it this whole time. Mario Barrios is tough as hell. It's, it's odd being a young gatekeeper, but he's he's just in that in that realm. He filled out well at 147. Yeah. It's just the, the skill difference was very different. Yeah. I think uh, the Keith one time, <laughs> the one time thing, one, I need to hit you one time. That's gone. Let's, let's get rid of yeah, it. Yeah. I think what Keith Thurman is now is boxing IQ. He's a very smart fighter. And I think it's very underrated. Uh, skill of Keith Thurman is that when he fights you, he knows how to win rounds. He knows how to get out of the way of punches. He can he understands range and distance. Keith Thurman's a really good fighter. I had a problem with this fight, though. There were three times in this fight where Keith Thurman had Mario Barrios hurt. Yeah. And he didn't put his foot on the gas. Similar to when Tank had him hurt. Yeah. Tank and, did his little dance and then went and got him out of there. Yeah. Keith, I, I think, he had an opportunity to get Mario Barrios out of there. He said at the post-fight press conference that he was worried about his conditioning, which is absolutely fair. He haven't fought in almost three years since the Manny Pacquiao loss. And he didn't want to throw too much and gas himself out because I think what Keith has learned as he's gotten older is you can't knock any, everybody out. And if I expend too much energy, I'm going to be tired. My other concern with Keith Thurman is his body. He doesn't like getting hit to the body. No. At all. And in, even in this fight, like, Barrios would catch him coming in a couple times. Barrios is not a big puncher. He's just moving up to 47. He filled out well, but he's never been known as a big puncher. He's never really had any competition. But Keith Thurman's in a, in a spot where I'd like to see him get another fight. I know he wants the winner of Spence Ugas. I'd like to see him get another fight before he takes that fight. And it's a risky thing because he maybe you shouldn't because it might mess up the money. You fight the wrong opponent, lose. Yeah. That sucks. But... I don't know where Keith is. I think Keith is like maybe fifth in the welterweight division because, you know, there's a lot of people like Boots will blow him out. I don't know. I think it's a really good fight. I pick Boots to win. I don't think Boots will blow him out. Same with Virgil Ortiz. I don't. Yeah, I've never seen him fight anyone at that level of competition. Right. Keith is Keith is really good. Yes. Keith was the king of the welterweight division at one point. He had the division in the palm of his hand. And the dumbest thing he did was say, I'm going to let the fight with Errol Spence marinate. Shut up, Keith. <laughs> Should have never said that. I hated when he did that. But now you're in a position where you're, you're chasing. Because now the winner of Ugas and Spence in April will have three titles and Terrence Crawford will have the other one. Yep. What do you do? I think right now, the version that I saw Keith that fought Mario Barrios loses to Spence and loses to Thurman. Really? Yeah. I mean, I think he loses those anyway. But I mean, I give him a chance. Oh, I definitely give him a chance. I just think 
Terrence Crawford has too much dog in him. Like, when Terrence Crawford hurts you, if Terrence Crawford hurt Keith to the body, there would be no backing off. He tried to terrorize him to that finish. I think Errol is his size and is the way that he uses his size and his reach. Because Errol has this beautiful ability of walking people into punches. And I think Keith would have a hard time with both of them. Because if he's worried about his cardio and conditioning, Terrence doesn't get tired. And Errol's going to put you on the back end of a jab. Those are all great fights. But I think he has a better chance against Errol than he does Bud. I think we'll see it. I think we'll we'll know everything we need to know about that fight after Errol fights Ugas. Because Ugas is not an easy fight. I said the day that he stepped in for the Pacquiao fight, I was like, that's a bad fight. I said, I said, awkward from everyone. I said, it's a bad fight. From the first day that fight got made, I was like, "Mm, I wouldn't have took that fight. Ugas is tough. But if Errol dominates Ugas, then I'll know everything I need to know. Because Errol's still a smart fighter. It's just between the accident, the layoff. Like, he, he thoroughly dominated Dan- Danny Garcia. He treated Danny Garcia like a punk. Danny, <laughs> Danny had a split decision with Keith. Yeah. And Errol hardly gave up rounds to Danny. Errol is that good, but I need to see how he looks against somebody who's crafty like Ugas. Because Thurman is not known as a knockout puncher anymore. He's a crafty fighter. Yeah. He's clever. So we'll see. <sighs> Who does he fight next? If you had to just call it out. I don't know. I think the only fight there is Crawford. I, I think I, I don't Crawford know. can't price himself out. But I think they do pay-per-view. Him, Crawford, the winner gets the winner of Spence. What, which is going to be tough. But you got to offer like step aside money. Spence Ugas. Because the mandatory challenger stepped aside already once. For Spence to get this opportunity. Or excuse me, for Ugas to get the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then you got to pay him now again to step aside again. It's, it's tough. What, uh, oh, my God. What is it? What's his name? Stenosis? Stenosis. Yeah. Yeah. That He's might the be... co-main. Yeah. On the Spence yeah, card because he stepped aside. So, like, for any reason, someone falls out. He's going to be in an Uga yeah. situation where he's like, yo, let's get it. And that, that's a really good fight, too. I, I think unless PBC just hates Keith Thurman, you don't pair him with Boots, right? It's just you don't do that. It's too soon for all that. Um, eventually, you probably get to a Boots Stenosis fight or... Boots fights the loser of Spence and Ugas. I've seen people trying to pair them. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I, it's just hard. It's probably, it may just be somebody, like, to keep Keith warm and get rounds in. Because if it's not, I don't, Sean Porter was like, well, why does Keith have to wait? I was like, no, he doesn't have to wait at all. He can jump right into that fight. But I'm saying, after looking at Keith and t- him talking about his conditioning, I don't know if I, if I would want to throw Keith in there with Terrence Crawford. If I'm Keith side. If I'm Terrence Crawford, I'm like, absolutely give me that fight now. Because I think I beat him any day of the week. I'd like to see Keith in another fight. Doesn't need it. But if they make that fight, fine. I don't even know where Keith is ranked in the WBO. I have no clue. But I know Terrence just spent two years taking out mandatory. So he doesn't have... He needs have a fight. Him. He needs a name. Terrence? Like, yes. Yeah, his, um, his mandatory now, if they didn't name him mandatory. Right. Terrence. But number one is Boots. Yeah. I yeah. No, no. Or, excuse me, Boots is number one for Spence. I thought it was Virgil Ortiz. Virgil Ortiz that, is number yeah, one for Terrence. Yeah. That's so, but they haven't named him mandatory. No. He's just ranked number one. Yeah. So, it's one of those things where it's like, yo, he cleared out two years worth of mandatory. Man's not going to get a mandatory again for a second. Yeah. So, we'll see who goes next for Thurman. And uh, he looked good, though. So, that's, that's the biggest thing. Let's hit our break. Let's come back. Let's give our predictions for UFC 271 this weekend. 
and then chop it up with Derek Brunson, who's going to um, call in. We'll ask him about you know, his fight, his experience against Adesanya, whether he wants to fight him again. A lot of good combat sports still left to go. We're talking UFC after this. Don't go anywhere. All right, everybody, we are back. After this, actually in a little while, we're going to be joined by Derek Brunson. He's on this card. The guy's waiting for his title shot. Blonde, blonde Brunson. Blonde Poppy. <laughs> He's just a different beast with the blonde hair. So we get to talk to him, see what he thinks about his fight, his opponent, Jared Kananir. Talk about who he has in the main event, Adesanya versus Whitaker. In the meantime, we're going to run through the card for this weekend. Hold on, before we do that. I mean, for those watching, I got my Our Heroes Rock hoodie on. Yeah. That's nice. Just, we just got them. Uh, these are the they're shipping out. So anybody who was listening to this podcast with, who backed Our Heroes Rock will be getting a hoodie very, very soon. We're considering putting them up on a store. We just can't remember if we said it's a Kickstarter exclusive, so we don't want to upset Kickstarter. Hopefully, we could sell them on the store. So those of you that missed out, cop one of these. It's pretty dope. I need a Cornel West bobblehead. Like of the Cornell West Bob bar here. Yeah, like just for the desk. Just yeah. the Cornell West to just chill. Got John Lewis, Ruby Bridges, Lorraine Hansberry, Ida B. Wells, Johnny Cornell Rest, and Roy Wilkins. Yeah, Johnny, Johnny designed this. Uh Mia from Middle of Beyond. If anybody saw that Ghostbusters hoodie that that he had wore, that's the company that did our hoodies for us. So yeah, I just had to mention that because I'm wearing it. No, I gotta talk about it. Yeah. I'm proud of it. It's something that we created. It's dope. Yeah, very dope. Um, it's great to see this process go from the beginning to now and then to where it's going to be even a year from now. We shall see. So let's talk about UFC 271. UFC 271. I mean, the undercard is... Uh, prelims are okay. Like, nothing really to cover that crazy on a prelims. Um, Andre Olofsky is in the main prelim versus Jared Vendetta. Dude, Andre, they keep playing. 43 years old. They keep playing. His fool keeps winning. I told you at some point, they're going to like, all right, well, I guess you're going to have to fight Derek Lewis now. And it's like, then he dies. But uh, my man is he's counting gonna, him up. Yo, he's going to win again. Yeah. He's four for his last five. He, Andre Arlovsky is still here. It's crazy. Other people like GSP have retired. Been long gone. 43 years old. Arlovsky still here. Daniel Cormier is retired. Long gone. Tim Sylvia's retired. Long gone. This man going to fight till you my mama age. Yeah. My mama, I think, is like 50 right now. Just so. book him and Fedor one more time. I'm waiting. Because the last time they fought... I would love to see Fedor in the UFC for one more well, fight. Uh, yeah. I mean, the last time they fought no, at Affliction, right. Fedor just punched Arlowski when he came flying in. Yeah. And just he froze him in midair. Can, so. we, get, or, can we get Fedor in the UFC? I got to ask that to Dana. That's going to be my question to Dana. Good, yeah. I mean, come on, man. At some point, it's, it's still fine. Why not? Like, why yeah, man, not? It's flowers, man. Even I, if it gets washed, who cares? That should yeah. make you happier. I have to see Greg Hardy every three months on your card. Like, Fedor is better than Greg Hardy right now. Yes. Hands down. Like, so yeah. if Fedor, like, give me a Fedor fight or two. Just the old man's division. Yeah. I, I'm with it. Um, so, I mean, I'm taking Arlovsky. Just because, like, I need... Old men to win around uh, here. Roxanne Martiferi is on the prelims, right? It's her final yeah. fight of her career. Oh, yeah. She's retiring. What um, Casey O'Neal. 
really, I mean, props to Roxanne Modafferi, man. One of the nicest people. Yeah, she's she's been in general. <laughs> she's been in MMA for what feels like forever, and you know she never became champion, but I'm sure the UFC will eventually put her in the Hall of Fame. She's done. She's fought a bunch of people. She's won some. She's lost some. But she's one of the most unique talents and characters that MMA has had. And I can't wait to see what she does for the weigh-ins. It's always something yeah, anime-related. So it's it's her great. Angie Hill have like the best weigh-ins. Oh yeah, they always something anime gaming related. Yeah, I fully expect that with Rox. I love it. Um, Boxhand actually coaches out here in Vegas. Yep. So that's really cool. Really, just all in on MMA. So again, all around good person. And Casey O'Neill's undefeated. She's 24 I mean, years old. Yeah, like, it's going to be a tough, tough fight. Got to put her over. But uh, I'm picking Roxanne anyway, just because it's a retirement fight. Yeah, I'm, Why not? I'm here for the weird stuff. I'm booking this like pro wrestling. My affair's <laughs> got to go out on her back. Okay. <laughs> Cold-blooded. All right. Pull your Vince McMahon. Um, first fight of the pay-per-view card, Bobby Green versus Nasrat. I, I never pronounced Nasrat. Yo. Bobby Green. And I have a pronunciation guide from ESPN now. I still can't pronounce it. That's cool. Yeah. Bobby Green has looked pretty good in his last few fights with his striking. I don't think he's going to win this fight. No, I don't know what Bobby Green is. I mean, it felt like it feels like he's hitting a stride late in his career where he's kind of his striking, he's kind of put it all together in terms of being fluid. Uh the physique fight, like he looked great in that fight. He's he. I'm not going to say he is what he is because I think he has a chance of knocking people off. He's always had that potential there. I don't think he wins here, but I think it's going to be a fun and entertaining fight. Possibly could even be fight of the night. I can see that. Like, I mean, it, it's always going to be exciting. Yeah, he loses. Yeah. But, I, yo, kudos to him for being around for so long, always entertaining. He wins just enough to stay in the UFC. And, like, that's not easy. Hey, smiling Sam Alvey has lost, what, like, what seven fights in a row and he's still here? Yeah. Kind of weird, man. Yeah, that's rough for Alvy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he still got a job, I guess, so that's not bad. Yeah, but he was like at that point where he's fighting every two months. Yeah, like that was a cool gimmick, and then now like just lose. Yeah, just he's lose, just baby. losing every two months, so it's that's gonna be rough. Um, next fight: Kyler Phillips versus Marcel Rojo. Um, Marcelo. I'm, I'm picking Kyler Phillips. Phillips. I can't even remember what the line is on this. It's not disrespectful. But I'm picking Kyler Phillips by decision. Uh, Rojo's a good fighter. It's just... Yeah. It's, I, I'm not sure exactly. Like, I'd rather Arlovsky be in this position. But I understand you need, like, some name value on the prelims. Yeah. You got to have people watch those prelims. Yeah. So this is just kind of an odd main card fight. But, all right. Next up is where it really starts getting good. Jerry Cannonier versus Derek Brunson. We're going to have on the show. Um, Cannonier's in so many different weight classes. Yeah. Just a big dude. Strong. But when he faces the top of the top, Robert Whitaker, um, style Bennett, like he's just not that level. And I think Derek Brunson has stepped up, maybe not to their level, but he's probably above Cannoneer at this point. Like he figured something out. Yeah. Recently. Yeah. So I'm actually going to take Derek Brunson. And our streak is going to start again. Yeah, we got to pick it back up. Yes. Hey, Hanson messed this up. Yeah, damn. Um, but Derek Brunson hasn't lost since he lost out of sign. And since he lost out of Sanya, they keep putting young fighters in front of him and he keeps knocking them off. Or young potential title holders in front of him. Like, they put Darren Till there because they was like, oh, Darren Till and Israel Asanya is a fight to make at some point. Yep. Even though Whitaker had already knocked off Darren Till. But it's like, 
he Edmund Shabazian, who was there, was like, he's the future of the division. And he kind of washed him up. He was our number one prospect on ESPN at the time. Yeah. He's on the wow. Aaron Pico, man. He's got to go back, figure it out, and come back stronger. Yeah. Like, young fighters don't necessarily fare around the UFC unless your name's John Jones, uh, who was champion at 21. But, yeah, I think Derek Brunson is just going to have a little bit too much. He's too he's more well-rounded than Cannoneer. I also wonder if Cannoneer is taking this fight because he's broke. Because Remember the last time that Cannoneer fought in the post-fight, he was like, they were like, when are you going to fight? He was like, I hope soon because I'm broke. So, yeah. I don't know what's going on there. And I was like, that sucks. Hopefully, there's a follow-up on that during this uh, media. Well, he told that to Rogan. So, you know, if Rogan's in the octagon, yeah. he gets to tell him again if he wins. But I think Derek Brunson, his grappling is too good. He's got good cardio. He's learned a lot from the Adesanya fight. And I know he wants that title opportunity. And I think even if Cannonier were to win, it's hard to see him getting a title shot. So, I'm going Derek Brunson. I would say decision, but I think there's a possibility that he submits him at some point. Deal of my predictions. Derek Brunson by submission. Um, yeah, I just think I, he's really slick on the ground. It's been a second since, because he's been like ground and pounding people on the ground. But I think he he slips in a nice choke or something on the ground and takes this home with a submission. It's only three rounds though, which is kind of weird too. Both these guys have been main eventing, at least fight nights and everything. Yeah, it's been five yeah, round fights. So predicting a stoppage here, I'm like, man, those extra two rounds really would make me feel more comfortable. But give me Brunson by submission. Man, I'm not going to lie to you. The fight I'm looking forward to most on this card. Derek Lewis versus Ty Tuivasa. Big beady man slapping meat. That's what I'm here for. It's a lot of meat slapping in this fight. Sid, um, I can't pick this one. I hope no one. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm hoping for a double knockout. Simultaneous. And it goes in the book, however it is, and then they wake up and they share a shoe. It, yo, I don't even like. Either we're getting a shoey or we're getting some ridiculous post-fight interview from Derek Lewis. His ball's hot. Yeah, but he's at home. You know, you don't even know what he's gonna say at home. Duh, he gonna come out to wanna be a baller, and that crowd's <laughs> gonna explode. Crazy. Now, Tui, I mean, this is a fight where I think Tui Vas is a little more skilled than Derek Lewis, but Derek Lewis clearly has more power than Tui Vas. Yeah, and if you look at these two guys. And the way Tuivasa fights, this could be fight of the night because these two could just slug it out. It ain't going to the judges. Nah, not unless I don't think Tuivasa is interested in taking him down. No. And he gets hit a lot. Yeah, and I don't think Derek Lewis like he wants to stand and bang. I'm gonna pick Derek Lewis by knockout. <laughs> but if Derek Lewis knocks him out, I hope he does a shooey. Somebody got to take a shooey. Derek Lewis ain't gonna do a shooey. He he'll talk shit about the shooey. Yeah, no, nah, he my feet been in here. My feet hot. Like, he'll say something yeah. crazy. But I think this fight, I mean, come on, man. This is a fan favorite fight right here. This, if you're a yeah. fan of MMA and you want to see big, meaty, not like muscle, this isn't Nganu and Cyril Gan. Nope. This is two chubsters getting it on. And there ain't nothing wrong with that because they can fight. Nothing I'm here wrong for with it. it at all. I, yeah. yeah. I, I, I love this matchup. There's no losers in this either. Nah. Somebody going to get knocked out. Somebody going to get knocked out. But they going to come back and molly wop someone else and do it. So it's yeah. it's it's all good. This is these are two men who are just crazy. Cause like you know you're coming into this and no one's seeing the judge. Like you know it. No, nah, just so it's go just home. like, what are we gonna do? Go grab a pretzel. Like <laughs> go figure out some food and come back for the Israel fight. So that that's yeah, I have no pick. Violence is my pick in that one. Violence. And then main event, middleweight championship on the line. Rematch, Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker. 
Bobby Knuckles. Mm, Did Whitaker learn enough from that first fight? Are there adjustments? Can he take something from Izzy's loss when he moved up? Well, the one thing he'll take is patience. Like, I think a lot of people look at Adesanya and they go, he's skinny. I can just kind of wipe him out with striking. Then you realize, like, yo, he's really good at striking. Like, even Jan Blachowicz was like, oh, I got to take him down. Yeah, this, <laughs> I'm done with this. I have the power advantage. I'm the bigger fighter. But I don't want to deal with it because it's like fighting a wood chipper. It's like you're yeah. trying to figure out, like, it's like double dutch fighting. You got to get in and out because if he catches you because he's long, he's deceptively great at, like, closing range really quick. Ask Paulo Costa. I don't know if Robert Whitaker can necessarily do anything different. There's an interesting stat. People were like, well, Whitaker could use his wrestling. I've looked at his UFC career. I think he has 12 to- takedowns in his UFC career total, and four of them were against Kelvin Gaston. You know how many takedowns Israel Asanya has? Zero. He has never taken down a fighter. He don't even try it. Oh, for what? <laughs> so if you're Robert Whitaker, if you worked on wrestling your whole camp, it might be your best path to victory. Because if you're not wrestling them and you look at what happened in the Bukovic fight, you have to know that putting Izzy on his back is the only way you're going to get rounds. Yeah. You're not going to win a striking match with this guy. It's just not going to happen. And Bobby Knuckles is really good. But I said it when they fought the first time. I was like, it's fluidity. Alessandra moves just different. Yeah. And obviously losing Bukovic, but then you looked at what he did to Marvin Vittori. You look at what he's Who done. Should have been able to wrestle him, right? And just and he couldn't. And Vittori's a better wrestler than Robert Whitaker. Way better, bigger guy than Robert. But I think Whitaker will be a lot more patient, and all that will lead to is a loss by unanimous decision. Sorry. He'll have to, if Whitaker makes a mistake, Adesanya knocks him out. But I think the the knockout is going to be in the back of Whitaker's mind. He's going to know I'm going to be patient, and I think about mm, seven minutes into the fight, he's like, I'm screwed because <laughs> I can't get close to him. Yeah. He has to try to take him down. It's his only path to victory. And I think he tries to take him down his second or third round. But if Adesanya stuffs his first takedown and his second, oh, it's demoralizing. Yeah, give me Adesanya by knockout. I can see it. I just think as much as other people get a game plan on Adesanya after a first fight and they make adjustments and everything, he just digests information differently. So now he's coming into a fight where he has more info on you. And then that's problematic. So I, I expect, I don't know, Whitaker's good, but give me a first-round knockout by Adesanya. Yeah. Wow. That would, that would mean Whitaker have to take a chance. So here's the thing. You yeah, might be right. He walks into something. Whitaker stays in the pocket for a long time. If you go back and watch any of his fights, even if you watch the recent fights, Darren Till, Kelvin Gaston, he plants his feet and throws, right? Yep. He doesn't really get out of the way. Plus, if he throws, if you go for a takedown, he's great at sprawling. He fought Romero. Romero's a one-punch guy. He fought Kelvin Gaslam, who was pretty much washed up after Adesanya beat the crap out of him. Fought Darren Till, who was, was what it was. Uh, Jared Kennedy is like, all right, these guys are very robotic, right, yeah. when they come in. But if you stay in the pocket and throw a punch and you don't figure out how to get out of there, you're catching something. Because yep. what, what Adesanya does better than anybody else in MMA at this current point in time is he can find you if you don't get out of there. And even if you do get out of there, if you don't skillfully pull back, he's going to find you. Yep. So, like, you're, if your head, like, if you, if you go in and throw a couple punches, you try to duck, Adesanya knows where you are. Because Adesanya watches enough tape to know, all right, he has a tendency to duck his head to the left. Mm-hmm. Like, go watch the, the Paulo Costa fight. He got a read on where Paulo was going to be all the time. If, if I throw, the, if I faint, 
like those faints mean the world. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, I'm triggering you to, to do this. And most fighters aren't smart enough to know that I'm doing the same thing when he's fainting. Maybe I should try something different. Yeah. No, in that mode, you're just trying to survive, too. Yeah, you like, I don't want so to like your that. natural instinct is just going to take over. You're going to keep doing the same thing, and the next you know, it's a wrap. But Paulo Costa, a guy who comes forward all the time, tried to be patient, give Izzy distance, and got picked apart. He got picked apart with leg kicks. Yeah, from, from the distance. And he's like, damn, what can I do? Like, I, I have the right game plan. I can't rush the guy because I'm going to be slept. And then he got slept. And then he got slept anyway. So it's... It's tough, man. It's a tough puzzle to solve. You know what's funny? And before we leave, is like people have talked about Adesanya being the greatest middleweight ever. And I'm like, do y'all watch MMA? Because there was a guy named Anderson Silva who beat everybody. Yeah. It, Adesanya hasn't had a Chael Sonnen fight where you got to throw up a triangle in what? The last round I mean, to like get... I mean, he lost to Bukovic. You know, like... Yeah, I mean, they, they both... Like, it's like... Adesanya's second all-time in wins in the middleweight division. Winning streak to Anderson Silva. But he's only halfway there. Right? That dominance was difficult. Like, if you didn't watch Anderson Silva in the 2000s and beyond, if you didn't didn't watch him in Pride, if you didn't watch... I don't know what's wrong with some of you people when you say, like, oh, yeah, he's better than Anderson. Like, Anderson was just a completely different monster of a fighter. Like, when we talk about fluidity, he was the king of that. Yeah. Like, look, man, Forrest Griffin was never a great fighter. But when you knock somebody out with a fadeaway jab, <laughs> it's disrespectful. <laughs> it's just flat out disrespectful. You look, wait, he kicked Stefan Barnes' guts into, like, the second row. Yeah. Front kick, Belfort. Like, yo, Dan Henderson was a monster. Subbed him. That's the part of Adesanya's game that's going to prevent him from being Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva's a good ground game. Great guy. Like, yeah, he could, he could strike with the best of them. You know, yeah, he eventually ran into the wrong person with Chris Roy. I mean, he played too much. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all I ever say Caught about Anderson. Roy, Roy Jones syndrome. Yeah. Because you, you still try to do that, but your reflexes dip just a little bit. Just a little bit. You can't pull your head back in yeah. time. But he played too much. But Adesanya is still the greatest middleweight and arguably one of the greatest fighters we've ever, not even arguably, he's definitely one of the greatest fighters we've ever seen. We never got the GSP fight to, to prove if he's like top two. But I need people to relax. Adesanya is great, but let the kid, not even a kid, he's an adult. He's a grown man. He looks young. He's in his 30s. <laughs> 32. Yeah, but let the man breathe. Like, if he beats Whitaker, it doesn't really make, get him any closer. He has to break Anderson Silva's record for me to start having this conversation. He ain't there yet. The problem is, who in the middleweight division can beat Israel Adesanya? I don't know who it is. It's gonna to be tough. I mean, he's beat a bull. Yeah, he's We've seen that. Yeah, if you could, if you could wrestle him and keep him down, you can beat him. Yeah. I don't know if anybody can strike with him, unless you're like a like. I mean, shoot, we saw what he did with Paulo Costa. Yeah, if he tries to go back up, say theoretically, he had to fight like Yuri, a champ. Oh God, I mean that's that's, that's that's violence. That's a technical masterpiece that I would love to see. Yuri's a, he's but a Yuri, man. yeah, oh, Yuri yeah. versus Adesanya is. A mind blowing fight. It's like Yuri could be. I get you gotta have like some different measurables, like yeah. to, to kind of beat him. I'm not sure you get it at that weight class. But Adesanya is crazy enough to keep daring to be great. He'll do it again. Yeah, like he'll run through four more people. And if Yuri's up there, he'll be like, Well, I mean if I lose, I lose. Let's just say Glover beats Yuri. Adesanya's like, hmm. 
Oh, you got to go against Old Man Glover. Yeah, it's like maybe I take that fight in Brazil. Yeah, if, if Yuri wins, then it's like maybe I'll chill. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Yuri's nuts. Like if anybody watched him in Glory, it's like, oh my god, this guy's a monster. But it's a kickboxing masterpiece. Oh yes, it, it could if be a, those two fights. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a beautifully violent ballet. Like yeah. it'll be it'll be excellent. But if Yuri beats Glover, and especially if he just destroys Glover, and I'm Izzy, I'm like, nah, I'll just defend this title. That's what I'm expecting. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just, you know what? I'm going to try to break Anderson's record. Yeah, I think that's his next goal. Just yeah. most title defenses ever in middleweight yeah. history. Just put that as far out as you possibly can. But he did an interview with Brett, and he said something really cool. He's like, yeah, I failed at my side mission. No, I just came back. Like, everything in, his, yeah, everything in his head is like video games and anime. He's like, yeah, I, you know, I went to that side mission, failed the side mission, came back, and I'm right back rolling. So, like, he just doesn't even take that loss, like, didn't affect him at all. Like, cool. I you know, tried. Came back. Like, it's not the main game. So, who cares? Yeah, he's still a middleweight like, champ. He's still undefeated at middleweight. He's still been dominated at middleweight. He's the best in the world at that division right now. He, he dared to be great. Came up short. Big deal. Yeah. Wild. So, can't wait to see how this all plays out. We're actually going to take one more quick break. Come back. Everyone stay tuned. Derek Brunson is going to join us. We got to see what he thinks is he. What he thinks of maybe... Robert Whitaker pulling upset. Got to talk to him about his own fight. That's going to be fun. Tons of UFC on this show. So thanks, everyone. It's a long one, but stay tuned. A lot more great UFC talk to come after this. All right, everybody, as promised, we are joined by one of the UFC's best fighters, Derek Brunson, ahead of UFC 271. Again, you know what? And he's one of the most slept on fighters in the UFC. This guy keeps knocking out the next wave of amazing fighters the UFC keeps putting in front of him. Derek, when are they going to learn? When are they going to learn you're not a gatekeeper? When are they going to put some respect on your name? Hey, it don't matter. You know, as long as they keep putting dollars in my pocket, it's all good. <laughs> I hear that. But, I mean, it's true, though, because, I mean, ever since you, you haven't lost since you fought Adesanya, and you've been going on a tear where you, every performance has looked better than the last. And But it seems like every time it feels like, oh, well, let's put, you know, the hot guy, Edmund Shabazian, we'll put him in there, and you knock him off. And it's like, oh, well, Darren Till, you know, we've always talked about him being a champion. You knock him off. And I think the question is true. It's like, after this fight at 271, I mean, it feels like title shot or nothing, right? Oh, 100%, you know? That's been the whole path. That's what we were setting up, you know? When they took a long time to book the fight between Izzy and Whitaker, um, I knew that I had to fight one more time, and Kennedy was the guy right there. So I knew this fight was going to come come to fruition before, so... Yeah, we was ready for it. And yeah, one more fight, then we back in that title fight. Or we, we in that title fight. You mentioned you've you talk about Izzy Whitaker main event. You fought Israel Adesanya before. What was it like being in the ring with him? Were you shocked by anything when you were standing across from him that maybe you didn't prepare for, or just that he did differently than what you prepared for? You know, I, I was doing my own training camps back at home at my gym and you know, I didn't have the bodies to get me ready for a guy like Izzy. You know, obviously, you know, he's a dynamic striker, so you need a lot of strikers to give you good, good looks to prepare for that fight. So 
I didn't have the proper preparation. I kind of, you know, didn't take them as seriously as I should have. And, yeah, you know, it, it didn't go my way. So, you know, I made the switch, went out to Sanford MMA where, you know, there's – and we got a whole gang of strikers, you know, a lot of talented top fighters. So, you know, I've been on a five-fight winning streak since. When, when that happens, like, there's some guys who say, when you lose, you go, ah, just made some mistakes that night. It wasn't my night. There's other guys who say, this loss requires changes, right, for the better. Because let's just say you had beat out Asanya that night. Do you feel like you could have continued on that path and been a champion? Or you feel like it was inevitable that at some point you're going to have to not kind of train yourself. You're going to have to get into a gym. Right. Yeah. You know, um, I was training Jackson's MMA for like the first five years of my career. Then I opened the gym and st- tried to train there for like two years. But yeah, that wouldn't be conducive to like being ready for these top fights, you know, competing in the top five, top 10 of the UFC year after year. So yeah, I definitely had to make that change. So yeah. And at that point, Izzy was a up and comer coming guy. I think he was ranked like nine and I was ranked six or something like that. So yeah. Top five would have required me to get out to a big camp, anyways. When you make a switch like that, when you make a switch between camps, what's the mindset of getting out of your comfort zone, right? Because you go from training closer to home, you have to now move, uproot your whole camp. What was your mindset going into that? And really, how did it lead to this five fight winning streak that you're on? Like, when did when did you notice, like, man, I'm different, or Yo, I'm getting better because I made this change. What was that moment for you? Yeah, you know, um, everybody always wants the comfortable situation where they're at home with their friends, their family. Um, everything's perfect for them. But um, in sports, man, you got to sacrifice, you know. You got to have the proper preparation, especially when you put yourself out there getting ready for these top fights or whatever sport you're doing at the, at the highest level. So, yeah, it, it became to a point to where it was like, you know, I'm not getting enough. So I got to really, you know, venture out and get the proper training. Might have to sacrifice some time with the family, you know, with the friends. But ultimately, it'll pay off, you know, when I compete. Before we talk about this particular fight, I'm curious, like, do you stick around and watch main events after your fight? Or when you're done fighting, do you just go home? Or you just pack it up and get head back to the hotel? Well, so my last three fights, I'm in the main event. Right. So I have no choice but to, you know, watch the last fight. Um but no, when I'm fighting, yeah, I watch the I watch it's two more fights left after me. I'll watch the, the remaining fights. So you're gonna stick around and see how Whitaker and Adesanya plays out, because assuming you win, you want to kind of get a good look at your opponent. Oh yeah, I might jump in the cage. You never know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like um, um I'm definitely gonna be there, tune in and see how that fight goes. So we're we're creeping up towards the end of fight weeks, but we've seen crazier things happen in the UFC for any reason. If, you know, someone can't make weight on the scales, something happens, someone is not in this main event, you, you're taking that spot, right? You're jumping in on short notice. Oh, yeah, that's why they brought me here. You know, I was supposed to fight January the 22nd. You know, they brought me here for backup, you know. Uh, when the military calling backup, you, you guys know what time it is. So, yeah, I mean, that's why we're on the same card as a title fight. Somebody go down, Ron Rush is stepping up, you know, and I'm taking what's mine. All right, I got I got another question before we talk about the fight because we talked about it before we started rolling. The blonde hair, man. What was the inspiration? Why did you decide? You know what? I'm gonna go blonde because now it seems like 
you know, like Superman has an S on his chest. It feels like the blonde hair is now your S because you're running through opponents left and right. What was behind all that? Yeah, man, it was during COVID time. Everybody was going stir crazy in the house. So, you know, this was the, the natural uh, progression, you know. It's like about to do something different, you know, bring it all out. So, you know, the, the, the blonde brushing came about. Blonde brushing. Sounds man. like a superhero. Bro. Yo, he's gone full Super Saiyan. That's what it was. <laughs> like, he just got straight on his Goku, hit the blonde hair. He's un- unbeatable now. <laughs> Looking at your opponent this weekend, Jared Cannonier, everyone talks about his power, right? Like, just that one punch, knockout power. He's such a big dude. But you fought some of the toughest fighters, people with power before. How do you go in there and try to negate that and make sure that you impose your will on the fight while also navigating such a guy that, you know, any second it, it can be done if you make a mistake? Yeah, you know, that's that's the name of the game for most fighters. Everybody, you know, has decent power, if not a lot of power. So everybody's trying to knock each other out, trying to finish each other. So that's what we train to stay focused, uh, minimize damage, minimize mistakes, and be ready for these big fights. You know, I know where he's good at. I know how he's going to try to come out. So my job is to be on point with, with what I want to do and um, control the fight and dominate. You've talked a little trash in your fights before. I mean, you talked before the Adesanya fight. Uh, you had to deal with Kevin Holland's mouth for, for the entire duration of that, that deal. Do you, is this something that you just kind of accustomed to do now? It's like if you're in the cage, do you have some words with your opponent while it's happening? Or is it like, just like, just shut up and fight? No, that's whatever. You know, uh, everybody bring a little something different to the table. You know, uh, Hans like to talk a lot of trash, but he didn't, he never went over the top, you know, talking about moms or kids and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm cool with whatever. You know, at the end of the day, we have to fight each other. So if that's somebody's personality, it is what it is. Where do you see like that you have a clear advantage over Cannoneer in this fight? A uh, clear advantage would be the grappling. Um, I believe, you know, strength, speed. I feel like I have him edge in a lot of categories, you know, the um, fight IQ. So yeah, he's just gonna he's gonna come out looking to to get the action going early with the hands. Um but I feel I have the tools to deal with him in every area. That's what I was about to basically fight IQ because when you fought Darren Till, when you fought Holland, it was it wasn't that you just like out grappled the opponent. You seemed like you just outsmarted them as well. So is that something that came with you after the Adesanya fight, where it's like, all right, you pull back, you know you're talented, you know you're athletic, but when you use your brain in the octagon and when you and when you're doing things that you know you're making adjustments on the fly, like when you dealt with Kevin Holland, like I'm gonna put this fool on his back, he can't do nothing with it. Or with Shabazzian you know, or with Darren Till, is it really now just truly a mental game for you because the, the athletic tools are already there? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, um, in sports, man, you got to be a thinker. You know, you got to articulate what you're trying to do out here. You got to be playing chess pretty much. You can't be out here playing checkers. So, um, yeah, when I come out here and fight, I definitely want to be the better, have the smarter fight IQ and be able to make adjustments on the fly. So we need your official prediction, one, for your fight. How do you finish this? And then two, for the main event. Who do you, who do you have winning? And who's going to be your next opponent after you handle business on Saturday? Oh, man. It all depends how Cannonier come out. You know, if he come out reckless in the first round, you know, he can catch one on the chin in the first round uh, on the feet. You know, he can find himself on his back getting elbowed out, you know, in the first round. You know, it's, it's going to be... 
I'm going to be looking to finish the fight every round. But, you know, if he present me opportunities where I can finish it sooner, you know, I'm taking it. And for the main event, man, um, I don't know, man. It should be a good fight, you know. I think Whitaker will be able to make adjustments. He probably will not be so aggressive. And Izzy is a counterfighter. So it's going to be a matter of Izzy wants to really lead the dance and, and with the strikes or if he's going to wait for uh, Whitaker to come so he can counter. So, yeah, yeah it, whoever it doesn't matter, I look forward to facing them for the title next. Are you uh, at all concerned that if Whitaker wins, they try to run it back instead of giving you the title shot? No, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about handling my business, <laughs> watching them beat each other up, and I'm getting the next person. Uh, uh, the shirt, man. Uh, I don't think we can see the full shirt. I know what it says. All right. Now that people see it, I beat up domestic abusers, I need to know why and wh- why you decided to... I mean, you're wearing the shirt on the show, but <laughs> what was behind this shirt? Yeah, no. You know, me and my team sat down and we started talking about some of the things that I was against or some of the things that I stand up for, and that, that was one of them. You know, we speak out and stand, stand up against domestic abuse, you know. Um... If somebody feel uncomfortable because you see my shirt, that's the whole point. I want to make people feel uncomfortable, you know? Don't do silly things. Don't do things you shouldn't do. Just be a good person. Listen, I need one of those shirts. Right. Like, I, I feel feel like we're starting a trend. I will wear one of those shirts, too. Uh, man, uh, we appreciate it. Appreciate you taking the time out during a busy fight week. Thank you so much. Good luck on Saturday. And then we look forward to you in the championship picture, man. It's, it's going to be fun. Keep that blonde hair. Absolutely, for sure. Thanks. All right, take it easy, brother. Thanks, Eric. Um, Thanks, everyone, for listening as well. This has been an incredible show, packed full of combat sports, um, Talk starting with Joe Rogan all the way through UFC 271. In the meantime, before we get out of here, you know how we close this. Follow us on social media, at Corner Podcast, underscore on Twitter, at Corner Club for Life on Instagram, at Corner Podcast on TikTok, at corner at the corner podcast on youtube oh we're everywhere now baby everywhere you can find us we appreciate everyone here at blue wire studios everyone in the booth even though producer cole baby was late nothing against you cole number love from us in here hardest working man in the building thank you to win resorts here in las vegas for housing us and housing the studio which always looks incredible if you guys are watching on youtube you guys you know the vibe so it's great you guys stay safe out there Watch this amazing weekend of fights that are coming up. Next week, talking MMA, boxing. I was just on the phone during this episode. The Canelo news broke that Canelo is going to sign a two-fight deal. We'll talk about that on our next boxing show. So much going on. So we appreciate all of you. But until next time, we're out. Peace.